Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast hosted by Nebraska Homers. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who can't wait to talk about Scott Frost. Ooh, can't wait. That's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother, who is dreading talking about former OU quarterback, Josh Heupel. (laughs) Yeah, that would be me, Trey Newman. Uh, So remember, everyone, follow us on Instagram at College Football Bros. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash College Football Bros. And most importantly, retweet every episode when we post it on Twitter at CFB Bros. We'd really appreciate that. And also, if you haven't left a review in your podcast app, go ahead and do that as well. Um, so that's enough of that. Today, we are going to revisit the head coaching hires from last offseason and tell you whether we are now higher, lower, or about the same regarding the hire. Okay. So first, though, we have some news and notes to get to. Uh, Oregon has had a very busy week. Jim Levitt is out as defensive coordinator after a mutual agreement from both sides. Uh, so how big of a deal is this for you guys? Um, like personally in your life is it a big deal <laughs> yeah it, it's affecting my daily life really is wow how how is your relationship affected by this we're going to counseling <laughs> okay also, wow <laughs> that's rough but you know maybe this is a little lingering effect from C- Cristobal last year being chosen over Levitt uh, for the head job and but the one thing I is definitely if, yeah if Cristobal made the call on this that's a bold play considering Levitt is, you know, he's well-respected by the players there. And and we saw some of their reactions on Twitter. They were surprised. Uh, but I'm not going to overreact and say this is a, a huge deal, especially given the way Oregon is now recruiting. Um, I don't anticipate a colossal drop in the defense. Yeah, I agree with you, Trey. Um, obviously, the first year Jim Levitt was there, they had a huge jump on defense from like 109th to like I don't know, top 40. I forgot the exact numbers, but a huge jump. Then they kind of regressed a little last year. Um, so, but and now it's with Levitt gone, it's probably going to be Keith Hayward who will probably get uh, bumped, get the promotion. So I don't think it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be a huge overhaul in philosophy. And so, like you said, Trey, with all that great talent coming in, I think Oregon's just good. Is there going to be fine? Not a huge deal. I mean, I, I would say though, Jim Levitt is probably considered maybe what a top five defensive coordinator in the country yeah no i mean it's it's a loss but not something they can't overcome yeah it it i think it caps their upside a little bit for me it matters but yeah i i I think we're all kind of in the same boat yeah there is some good news though for oregon penn state wide receiver jawan johnson is transferring to oregon and he will be immediately eligible uh what are your thoughts on this move ryan i think this is your marriage has it wait has it affected your marriage we couldn't be happier right now. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. <laughs> uh, no, I, th- I think this is very big news for Oregon. This is this is a big get. You got Herbert coming back, obviously. But they were going to be really young and very small at receiver uh, this this coming season. So, Juwan Johnson gives them something they didn't have, a big, experienced receiver on the outside. So, I don't know. This might be a move that helps push Oregon over the top to maybe get that Pac-12 championship. Well, and this is really just a cherry on top to their successful recruiting cycle that they had. Yeah, true. And and also losing Dylan Mitchell to the draft, this is just uh uh, you know, a nice piece to replace him. So, good good move for the Ducks. Yeah, I mean last year he did obviously struggled with injury and apparently struggled with drops as well. Uh but the year before he was he was great. Yeah, his sophomore year he had a huge year. Yeah, so he he definitely has that number one receiver potential which Receiver was probably the biggest weakness on this Oregon team, at least offensively. Yeah, they're well, they're bringing in like four great, I think maybe four four stars or something wide receivers, but they so they'll have some talent, but it's young. Yeah, okay. Uh, last bit of news Virginia Tech quarterback Josh Jackson also transferring to Oregon. No, no, not, that's not Oregon. <laughs> wow. Uh, going to Maryland, and so he'll be eligible right away, and he has two seasons of eligibility. Uh, does this move the needle much for you guys? Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, but when you consider what hap- what's happening with the Q- QB room there at Maryland, it it, he- it does help because they're not sure if Kasim Hill will be healthy coming this year, if he even 
decides to come back to Maryland because he's entered the transfer portal. Um, yeah. So they did miss out on the Jalen Hurts sweepstakes, but this is a pretty nice consolation prize because, like you said, Mike, he does have two years where Hurts just has one. Um, so it looks at this point, maybe it kind of looks like Josh Jackson and Tyrell Pigrome will be battling it out for the starting job. Um, although they did sign a four-star freshman uh, coming in, but I don't know, it just adds depth and gives them a little bit more of a security blanket in case, you know, Kasim Hill isn't healthy and Tyrell Pigrome doesn't quite have the arm that maybe uh, Loxley's looking for. Yeah, I think that's where it helps. You don't want Pigram, I think, to be, you, you want Josh Jackson to win this battle just because the upside is a passer. Yeah, Pigram's pretty limited, so. I agree. All right, let's. Let's get into the meat of the episode then. Let's talk about uh, first-year head coaches from the 2018 season and say whether we feel better, worse, or about the same about the hire. So we'll go in order of uh, worst to best hires according to Athlon's grades from from about a year ago. And so number 21, which you may have guessed, is Herm Edwards, right. Arizona State. Yeah. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, Herm. I, I feel like this is actually one of the most obvious on the list. Uh, you, you have to definitely feel better about Edwards uh, than you did this time ooh, a year ago. Was, ooh, you might. We might have disagreement here, Ryan. Really? But I'll I'll let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish. Wow. Okay. I mean, they had a solid year on the field. They went seven and six, and five of their losses were by a touchdown or less. So he was even in those games where they lost, he was very competitive. Um, and in terms of recruiting, you got to be pleasantly surprised. He definitely out out uh, recruited his in-state rival over there in, in Tucson and they were fifth in the Pac-12 which is pretty darn good 31st overall so I don't know for for being looked at as like almost of a joke hire doesn't look like a joke right now yeah so I I feel better as well but I think I think Ryan a lot of people are going to have the same opinion as you where I think they're going to say he's way better than this ranking but the only reason I'm going to hold judgment until another day is because he inherited a pretty decent ASU squad last year. Yeah. And and I I want to see I still want to see what he what he's got. I in my but I will say like you said Ryan, getting the 31st ranked recruiting class this year wasn't too bad and so I will say I'm I'm better than him, but I'm not as bullish as maybe a lot of people are. Yeah, I I'm actually I'm gonna, my answer is about the same here because Really? So you guys brought up the recruiting, which I kind of had that impression too of, wow, this is better than you would think. But it's actually a little bit worse than most of Todd Graham's latest recruiting classes, or at least right around there. Comparable. Yeah, comparable. So, you know, I mean, that's that's sort of what Herm was brought in to do is is recruit. And so it went fine, but not amazingly. And then on the field, I think this season went about exactly as you would expect about they went seven and six they were 45th in Sagarin when like you said Trey he inherited a senior quarterback Manny Wilkins really good quarterback great receiver in Nikhil Harry now both those guys are gone and we'll see now I guess okay all right you guys are you guys are tough I mean he's from being the worst on this list I mean yeah all right uh number 20 well <laughs> oof maybe this should have been the worst on the list Dana yeah. Dimmel at UTEP uh, Trey, we assigned this one to you. What do you think? So I'm, I feel the same as I did last year. I mean, no matter who got this gig, they just were not going to be able to succeed in the short term. Yeah. Uh, but I was, I am a little concerned, um, that they were, they were hardly competitive last <laughs> season. Their, their one win came against a two win team in Rice. Outside of that, they lost every game by seven or more, except for one other one. So, not exactly encouraged now. Hey, at least they got a win. That's something. They did. Yeah, they did better than before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it was such a boring hire, like a 55-year-old offensive coordinator from K-State. Yeah, right. It's not like K-State had some imaginative great offense. So, yeah, pro about the same is probably the right answer. Yep, for sure. Okay, number 19, Chad Lunsford at Georgia Southern. Ryan, I think this is easier than the Herm Edwards decision. All right. All right. He so Ludensford was he was the interim head coach at the end of 2017 and they went 2 and 10 that season but he was just there for the the last 6 games he went 2 and 4 and in his full first full year as head coach this past season they went 10 and 3 won the Camellia Bowl of course on that game winning field goal and one of their losses this year was to Clemson. So you could you could not have predicted such a great season 
have to feel way, way better about the hire. Yeah. And, you know, with his style of offense that he has there, I feel like that unique style will kind of keep help help keep them competitive in that league. So it is fun to watch. Yep, I agree. Okay, number 18 on the list is Sean Lewis at Kent State. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, yeah, I, f- I feel the same. <laughs> Wasn't a big noteworthy hire last year. And I, they went two and 10 this year. And it's it's hard to see them getting a whole lot better than that. So I mean, he might improve a game or two next year, but I, I don't think he can move Kent State into the uh, the upper echelon of the MAC in the long term. It's just kind of like UTEP. It's just a hard place to succeed. So yeah, I feel about the same, which is not that great. Kent State and UTEP might be the two worst jobs yeah. in college football. They're rough. They yeah. really and, are. And Paul Haynes, the previous coach, left him very, very little. So I, I'm we're all we're all in the same boat here. Number 17, Mike Bloomgren at Rice. What do you think, Trey? So I feel I feel slightly worse. Now, I know he inherited a one-win team, but this season was a dud. Uh, they only had two wins on the year, but when you look at it, one was they narrowly beat Florida A&M by three in the <laughs> opener. And then they somehow, they did beat Old Dominion at the end of the season. But in the other 10 games, the closest margin of defeat was eight. But that was to a winless UTEP team, which we had discussed earlier. <laughs> They're 115th in recruiting rankings now. It's just some dark days for the Owls. And, and you know, when you look back, you know, it's kind of a boring hire then having him only be the O-line coach for Stanford. That's not the most maybe desirable candidate to fit a job like this. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't I agree. He, wasn't he uh, at least co-offensive coordinator at Stanford, too? Yeah, he 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 was. But again, you know, we're talking not the most innovative offense at Stanford. True. True. Well, plus, have you guys looked at their first four games next year? They got Baylor, Texas, Army, and Wake. So, wow. I mean, I'd be surprised if they won any of those. So, oh yeah, going to be another rough year next year. In in Mike Bloomgren's defense, his quarterback stank last year. Okay, Sean Sean Stankovich. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow thank you you <laughs> stank up the field pretty good he, he sure did ryan he sure did he sure did yeah. uh okay number 16 we mentioned him at the top of the podcast josh heupel at ucf this might sound harsh but i'm gonna go about the same i mean i know he went 12 and 1 with the only loss being in a new year's six bowl against lsu but with a backup quarterback yeah true with a backup quarterback but he just inherited such a great team that you expected them to win maybe at least 10 games and he did win oh yeah all 12 but i still think it's it's hard to judge i think this next year without well potentially without mackenzie milton is going to tell us a lot more about hypo than going 12 and 1 this year so yeah it's hard to judge but you're supposed to try to judge that's the game okay Mikey. well i'm judging about the same, Ryan. I'm not... Okay, well, I'm going to disagree there, and I'm going to say I feel better about Hypo. I'm not saying I feel amazing, but he went 12-0 and in the regular season. How can you not feel a little bit better? There were some question marks about him going in. It was, you know, some people were like, really? Hypo? That... So, and he went 12-0. and So, I, I don't know. I think he exceeded expectations. I know the LSU loss, but I don't put much stock into that without Milton. Um, and he has the number one AAC recruiting class coming in. So... I mean, he did it off the field, he did it on the field, so you got to feel better. And he brought in Brandon Wimbush to maybe to strengthen that QB yeah. room. And I'm not saying Wimbush is great, but it at least gives them another option in case Milton, you know, most likely won't be able to play this year. But So I'm feeling the same, maybe slightly better. Now, you guys are looking tough, at, man. <laughs> no, look, well, that goes 12 and 0. It's like, yeah, it's, no, okay. it's You got a good point. Well, no, here's my, here's my point is that last year though, I honestly think, I, I think he was too low on this list. Like, I think he should have been okay. better than the 16th ranked higher. I thought it was a pretty good get for UCF, um, last season. But yeah, at this moment, like Michael said, he inherited a ton and he pretty much did what, you know, you thought he would or, you know, maybe it's overachieved by a game, but, uh, lost a couple of great defenders. But either way, I, I'd, I'd still be optimistic as a UCF fan and, um, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not anti hypo. I'm I'm maybe even slightly encouraged by him. So yeah, I, you you make a good point there, Trey, about the fact that people were kind of dogging this hire last year, yeah. which 
I to- I didn't totally get either. I didn't think it was an amazing hire, but I thought, okay, that that makes sense. That's fine. Yeah, I mm-hmm. did a good job with uh, Drew Locke at Missouri. Yeah, true. Moving on to number 15, Matt Luke at Ole Miss, which technically a new hire, but we've yeah. now coached two full seasons. How you feeling, Ryan? Like personally you know, right now, how you feeling? I, I feel not bad. Not bad. That's Okay, good, good. Yeah. Um, well, I was pretty low. I think a lot of people probably were on the, on the Matt Luke. So I think I actually feel a little bit better. Um, you know, they went five and seven this year, which is about what everybody expected, I'd say. But I thought the recruiting would really tank. Um, but he did pretty well. 22nd overall class is nothing to sneeze at. And, uh, it's good enough to keep Ole Miss competitive. Uh, plus he got a handful of, uh, really good JUCOs in there. So there's going to be some immediate help coming. So, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I, I was really low. I think he's doing all right. I was low as well last year, so I'm I'm kind of feeling the same. Uh, I would have said worse, but then, like you said, Ryan, he did still get the 22nd ranked recruiting class. So you know, I know that's low in the SEC, but it's not chopped liver. Uh, and you know, but but with this team this past year, I know they weren't bowl eligible, but they had a lot of talent on the team and including a, a couple potential first rounders in this upcoming draft. They start five and two and you're thinking, okay, but then they lost five straight, just not a great look. And, but this whole thing, like it's probably not necessarily his fault. I think Ole Miss might've, the administration might've been looking to say, let's just have someone kind of lead us through the the lean times. And then they make a splash later uh, is my view on it. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of what people were, were thinking at the time when they kept him. Um, but I think we have to remember that this team, in the previous seven seasons before he got there, won a combined 12 games. Really? What? <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, you got to count the vacated wins, Ryan. You got to oh, vacate yeah. that. <laughs> you guys were giving me like the weirdest I, look like, like, how can that be right? I, I was confused as heck right there. I know. I was too. I was like, wow. <laughs> that can't be right, Mike. Uh, well, it is technically right in the record books now. So, uh, no, I think you guys covered that well. Uh, number 14, Jonathan Smith, Oregon State. Another, another tough gig. Trey, what do you think? It is a tough gig. Gig. I'm the same as I was last year, and, and I liked him last year. Uh, really? This is the bottom of the barrel of the Pac-12. It's it's probably not even close. They only had one conference win, but but he had no expectations. And, you know, after spending time with Chris Peterson at UW, he's seen what it takes to succeed, especially in the Northwest. So I like his passion for the cro- program, and I don't see why he can't get them to at least improve a little bit. Yeah, I mean, tough gig for him. I, as you said, I just don't, I didn't feel great about the hire just because it, it didn't really move the, the, the needle for me. I mean, they weren't competitive in most of the games. They got blown out in quite a bit. So I don't, I think they're actually kind of a ways away from really competing. Um, yeah, especially after signing the worst recruiting class uh, in the conference. Um, it's, it's not that I don't think Jonathan Smith as a coach can't be successful. It's just, I don't think he can do it in Corvallis. I, yeah, I just don't think there's a ton of hope right now at Oregon State. And no. and the recruiting it did, it got a little worse even than it was before. So, yeah. Although they did land like four transfers from Nebraska. So, Oh, good point. Good point. <laughs> They're well on their way back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nebraska. Poaching from Nebraska. That's <laughs> yeah, the talent pool you want to take from. Guys that couldn't make, cut it at Nebraska either. <laughs> um, ooh, wow. Shots fired. Shots <laughs> fired. They didn't. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling about the same, which is, for me, not great, but... Uh, okay, number 13, Mario Cristobal at Oregon. This is I an have, interesting one, yeah. Is it interesting? For me, it's a fairly easy one. I'm feeling way better. Uh, on the field, I think they probably performed about as expected, maybe slightly worse. They were 9-4. and four. Um, You would have hoped for a better offense when you have Justin Herbert. But uh, this is really all about the recruiting. They finished with their best class ever, really by far, number seven, number seven in the country. So I just don't really see any way that you can't be excited if you're an Oregon fan. Oh no, I, I, I didn't mean it interesting in a bad way. I agree with you. I think this is you, you got it. I definitely feel better about Crystal Ball. I mean, there's been quite a bit of drama in the coaching staff here for the Ducks in the last year, year plus, what happened with Taggart and stuff. So. Uh, but with, when it's all said and done, if you're a Duck fan, you got to feel better now without Taggart, you know, and having Cristobal, like you said, because you got Her- Herbert coming back, that great recruiting class, Juwan Johnson, as we already mentioned. I think things are looking really good in Eugene, so. 
I'll push back a little bit on the whole. I know we we sort of talked about this, I think, last episode about feeling better with Cristobal than than Taggart. I think that's colored by what ha- happened with Taggart at Florida State. Oh, it certainly did. Yeah. But if Taggart had stayed at Oregon, I think things would be rolling just as well as kind of Cristobal has them recruiting wise. Yeah, yeah. But I I agree with you guys. It, he's it's better. Uh, I really didn't see this coming. Uh, I, I, to me, last year I thought it was a case of Oregon almost just kind of settling with what they had to do. Uh, yeah. But he's off the field. That recruiting, it's it's dynamite. So right now, I'm I'm not pessimistic, and I'm feeling better. But I might be more pessimistic if if he can't get success with Herbert next season. Yeah this this season will be a good test of him as an on the field coach. Yep. Number twelve is Sonny Dykes at SMU. What are your thoughts, Ryan? Well, I know SMU had a somewhat disappointing uh, year going five and seven, um, but I I wasn't really that high on Sonny Dykes to begin with. So I actually feel surprisingly a little better than I did last year. They bring in the third best recruiting class in the American Conference, and they hadn't finished better. Where where does that rank overall, Ryan? Not sure. Take a guess. 60, no, 75th or something. Oh man, no, 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 no. 69th. Oh, 69th. 69th. Dang, dang it, Ryan. You <laughs> should have known that. You asked the question. Yep. So they hadn't finished better than sixth in their conference in the previous five years. So that's a pretty nice improvement. And yeah, they do lose Ben Hicks to Arkansas. Um, but they got your boy, Mike, uh, Shane Bachel from Texas. So yeah, that's, who knows, that's maybe a, that, th- I really think that's a massive upgrade. Yeah, maybe that's going to be an upgrade there. Oh, maybe. I think definitely. Well, yeah, I know you how big of a base shell guy you are. So, you, of course, you think it well, is. Well, even, but just objectively, if I can try and be objective here. Okay. Well, new year in the system, first year in the system, maybe that's, you know, holds him back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but hey, but Michael, by the way, didn't we have a little bet going or something about uh, where base shell would end up? If you'd no, end up we didn't. A- no, 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 no. So, oh, I'm glad you brought this up. No. Right. So, I didn't say he wouldn't go to a G5 school. I'm just. I just said he was good enough to start at a Power Five school. Oh, okay, it's true. And then you know, you remember off pod after that podcast ended, where we talked about Shane Bouchel. We all kind of said SMU just kind of makes sense. That's true. We did just yep. like um, uh, Garrett Gilbert, right? That's what he did. Yeah, yeah. I believe I said it first. Just to okay, give but I agreed. I agreed. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not letting you claim victory there. <laughs> well, but you weren't, you were soft. You were like, oh, he could go power five, could go G5. I'm like, no, nah, he's going G5. <laughs> All right, fine. You win. <laughs> um, I, so as far as Sonny Dykes at SMU, I, I don't think the five and seven season this year is, is really that disappointing because they had Michigan, TCU, and at North Texas as three of their non-conference games. So it was a tough schedule and they were fine. Yeah. So I'm, I'm feeling about the same as, as I did before. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay, number 11 is, oof, another another guy that I love, Billy Napier, Louisiana. Trey, are you are you in love with him as well? I'm not maybe in love, but I'm definitely feeling better. I I was on the fence and and really didn't know what to think last year coming off of his ASU offensive coordinator days, but but leading them to the West Division title and getting the Raging Cajuns back to a bowl game was a great start. Uh, not to mention, their 2019 recruiting class, they finished 75th overall and first in the Sun Belt. This is coming after previous years, they were 104th and 121st, so yeah. dramatic improvement there. So if you're a Raging Cajun fan, or Louisiana Lafayette fan, Ryan... Yeah, it's Lafayette here, guys, so I don't know what we're talking no, about. No, no, I don't like it. They're Louisiana no, now, guys, all right? No, they're not. Yeah, no, they're Louisiana. No, there's there's some hope uh, hope down there. Yeah, that's their best class ever. That's so I think that's a great Sunbelt class. Absolutely. And I think the only I would actually be kind of sad, though, if I was a Louisiana fan, because like I've said in previous episodes, he will be coaching at South Carolina, you know, within the next couple of years. Sure. Yeah, you have said that. I have. But yeah, if I'm Louisiana Lafayette, I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> OK. Uh, all right. Let's let's break up this. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of coaches on this list. We yeah have 10 more to go still but let's break it up with some trivia how about that i like it mike let's do it okay so this is comes from the uh college sports reference play index if you haven't used that before i would highly recommend it it's It's a very nerdy thing to do 
It is, but it's fun to look back uh, some at, uh, well, I'll just, I'll use this as an example. Here's what I did. I found the top 10 single game rushing performances since 2000. So I'm going to name the year and the school, and you guys have to name the player. Wow. I hope we could get a hand, good handful of these. If I'm, you're gonna do- yeah. I'm making your goal six out of 10 because there's, there's some tough names on the list. Okay. All right. Even five, five would be pretty good. Okay. Um, all right. Let's start with number 10 on the list. He had 342 yards, and it is uh, 2007 to Lane. Okay. Th- this one's tough for me, Ryan. Yeah, that's that's tough. I, uh, okay. I, uh, maybe I spoke too soon about this one. Uh, but I do. Ha- I have a guess here. Um, I think the, about maybe the only running back I know out of Tulane is uh, Matt Forte. Ooh, well done, well yeah. done. <laughs> one for one. Uh, number nine on the list, uh, 2012 West Virginia. Steve Slayton. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> 2012, 2012. I think that's... Uh, oh, that's that was late. pre-2012. Yeah. Is that is this Noel Devine? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so I'll give you a hint. You wouldn't really call him a running back. Oh, uh, Pat White? No. Pat, what, no what is wrong it, with you, Ryan? That's Pat too late. White. No, it's too late. Way too late. No, it's the, the little speedy receiver. Uh, oh, Tavon? Tavon Austin. Wow. All right. I'm going to say you're one. That's crazy. I'm going to say you're one for two. That is crazy. Uh, he was the only one of these that on the list that did it in a losing effort. It was against Oklahoma. Oh, wow. 344 yards. All right. Yeah, we didn't get that. One for two. Okay. Number eight. 2014 western kentucky oh god (laughs) yeah this one this one is uh not gonna lie pretty difficult oh no what's that guy's name oh my goodness we played nebraska played against him and then he was good i just god you're gonna say the name and i'm gonna hate myself (laughs) you'll probably hate yourself either way ryan let's be honest yeah that's true good point mike i don't know leon allen no, okay, I don't hate myself. I wasn't close. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> okay. Number 7 is 2008 Navy. Wow. Jesus. Uh, this is a name you'll definitely remember, but it might be hard to come up with. He played Did he play in the NFL? Um I believe so. Gosh, why can't I I I take it back. He didn't he didn't play in the NFL really. He he had a I, he was undrafted oh, this one will bug me i i can't think of it now but yeah his name is shun white mm. shun white okay yep no numbers this is not going well we're one for four these are hard stuff you're gonna all right <laughs> this is another hard one this is a lot more difficult than i remember yeah this is hard <laughs> number six on the list 2012 temple wow hmm and he had 351 yards and seven touchdowns in this game. Wow. Uh, Wendell Smallwood? Montel Harris. All right. <laughs> okay. Good for him. 2006, Northern Illinois. Come on. <sighs> he, he was a little guy. That's not helping me. I'm disappointed in this one. Disappointed with you guys. Yeah. It. Uh. All right. He's, his last name is a type of wild dog that howls at the moon. Oh, Wolf. Um, but we got to think of his first name. <laughs> Eric Wolf. Zach Wolf. <laughs> oh, gosh. Garrett, Garrett Wolf. Oh, oh Garrett Wolf. Garrett oh, my Wolf. gosh. Yeah, okay. He played on the Bears, too. Oh, yeah. Wow. All right. Man. Man. Number four on the list. You are, you're one for five. Or one for six, I guess. Uh, 2012, Arizona. Arizona. Do we get more than one guess per person? Can we like rattle yeah, off names? Yeah, just throw out names. Nick Grigsby? No. Oh, yeah, he was probably a little later. Ring the buzzer. I forgot to ring the buzzer. Oh, man. I guess it is hard. Me looking at the list, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course I remember this guy. But when you're just having to come up from scratch, it's hard. Is this his first name Greg? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Greg. <laughs> Dang. Was it the the um, the Samoan guy, Keola Antolin? No, no. His name is Kadeem Carey. 
Ah. Uh. <laughs> he was good. Yeah. I think he was another Bears running back. Jeez. All right. Well, now this one's impossible. Uh, 2002 Central Michigan. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he had 377 yards, and it was Robbie Mixon. No that, chance. I do not know that name. Maybe played with Dan Lefevre at quarterback, but that's all I got. Maybe. It might have been a little before that, but yeah. 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 Um, 2014 Wisconsin. Melvin, Melvin Gordon. Gordon. <laughs> yeah. 408 yards on 25 carries against... No, nobody. I don't remember. Oh, really? Never happened. No, no. Okay. Well, I guess it didn't happen. Number one on the list. Samaji Payrine. Payrine. Oh, wow. All right. I'm going to give you like four answers (laughs) for getting that before I even ask the question. I mean, that was kind of obvious. And when was that? When was that in relation to Melvin Gordon's game? It was like a couple weeks after, wasn't it? It wasn't like the next week. It was one week. Yeah. That's (laughs) insane. That's too bad for... Gordon, 427 yards, and who was it against? Um, Really bad team. Kansas. Yes, Kansas. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sorry for that one. I'm going to, in next time in the play index, I'm going to make them a little bit easier. Yeah, we, we probably should have come up with Wolf. Um, uh, maybe I should. That's tough. I, I, that's tough. If I would have gone the other way and named the player, and you just had to name the school, you would have got like 8 out of 10, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we wouldn't have got that Central Michigan guy. No. Uh, you wouldn't have, might not have gotten Leon Allen, or maybe you would have. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have got that. But that's about it. I think you would have got everyone else. Okay. Well, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to back to coaches. Number 10 on the list is Steve Campbell from South Alabama. And so they hired him from... An FCS school. They hired him from Central Arkansas. He had done a pretty good job, or a really good job there. Led them to a couple playoff appearances. And this year, though, three and nine, which is not great, but he, he inherited a tough situation. Their win total, according to Vegas, before the season was only three and a half wins. So, I guess you feel about the same. Maybe a little worse, but I'm I, I'm questioning his recruiting tactics here. Did you? look at the the recruits he brought in like i did not it's like k-state during the bill snyder 90s years but worse they brought in like half their classes jucos really yeah it's it's i mean i don't mind bringing in a handful but to have it make up like pretty much half your class that's uh i'm not sure that's the best way to build a, a quality program but who knows i yeah i agree that seems like a tactic for the most part to save your job long term at the expense, uh, or save your job in the short term. term. At the expense of the the long term. Yeah, and just really. hope you can parlay it into something. But yeah, there was a lot of JUCOs there. The one thing I also didn't like was I looked at their S and P plus, and they did regress uh, a bit overall from from the year before. So, and then Ryan, yeah, one hundred twenty third in recruiting. Yikes. Yep. Okay. Uh, here, I think maybe the most interesting one on the list because you could conceivably. Mm, you could go any, you I can. think, any direction yeah. with this one. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee. Yeah. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, well, I, I feel about the same. I'm going to go in the middle here. It, okay. I thought he was a solid hire, even though he was like their 50th candidate. I thought he was a solid yeah. hire when they got him. Uh, but nothing on the field really moved the needle for me. I, we all kind of figured they'd struggle, but, you know, so going five and seven is kind of what we thought. Um, yeah. But, you know, they were young, obviously, on the field this year, but I feel like that's been Tennessee's excuse for 10 years now. Um, and they had a good recruiting class. Jeremy Pro did a great job there. But again, they've consistently had pretty solid recruiting classes, even in their past past years with Butch Jones and whatnot. So they have. I mean, going getting 12th ranked recruiting class after a five and seven season, though, that's that's good. You can do that in your first year. You know, that's yeah that you can do that but you won't you won't be able to do that after like your third or fourth year true so um i I don't know i i'm in i'm in the wait and see mode and which is what i was a year ago yeah i would agree i'm about the same Uh, on the field didn't end well those two blowout losses to missouri and uh vandy and vandy Uh, i'll try not to overreact to those two games because you're right overall it was about as expected during the season so I'm going to say better, but that's really just because I wasn't high on him at all last year. Um, mm. And, you know, him showing signs of life in the recruiting that you guys mentioned. Uh, I don't think he's going to lead Tennessee to an SEC title anytime soon, 
but I'm higher on him this year than I was last. Okay. Uh, number eight on the list, Kevin Sumlin at Arizona. Another another easy answer here, Trey. I think we're all on board the Kevin Sumlin. Tra- no, no, I'm. <laughs> we're. This is worse. I. I mean, last year I thought this was a home run hire for U of A. Maybe even an upgrade over Rich Rod. Thought his style fit perfect, especially with um, Khalil Tate. I thought it was just a perfect marriage. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to write his obituary yet, but I'm completely underwhelmed after one year. Uh, I know Tate wasn't 100% healthy, but they just never were quite in sync. Uh, they weren't in harmony last year, and they didn't go to a bowl game. And But the most surprising thing, which I'll let you guys really attack, was his recruiting class finishing 61st first and 10th in the conference. I just never saw that coming. Yeah, I feel, I'm, I feel like... Um... Who's the political commentator in old school? Um, oh, James Carville. James Carville. Um, that was perfect. I have nothing to add. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I I wasn't nearly as high as you guys on someone. I when we were giving our grades for that hire, I think I gave it like a B or something. Just because whenever you go down a level, you 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 know going from A and M, you're taking a step down. I just didn't think I didn't get that uh, exciting feeling about it. I just I don't know. I mean, I, I'm still lower than I was last year because I didn't think it would be this bad. Um, it was a disaster. So it was a disaster. It's been a disaster. So I'm with you Gosh, guys. It's... I was so high on him. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Uh, number seven on the list is Chad Morris at Arkansas. Even though it was the season went about as bad as you could have hoped on the field, they were two and ten. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Uh, they dropped 24 spots in Sagarin down to 98th in the country. I'm still going to say I feel about the same. Recruiting went a lot better than expected, at least for me this season. They were in the top 25, and when you look back to SMU, it didn't happen right away there. He had a bad first year there as well, and then kind of started turning things around. So I wasn't super high on this hire to begin with. I was kind of so-so on it, and I'm still that way. So I'm I'm a little worse. Um, I wasn't overly high on him last year, but now I'm maybe a little bit more skeptical. Uh, you know, they had a dismal season, finished their last two games. They lost by a combined score 90-6. to six. Uh, is that bad? The one thing, yeah, it's not good. The one thing though is it's a, fairly alarming to me that he's having to go to the well to his old quarterback, Ben Hicks at SMU. You know, if I was an Arkansas fan, I would hope he'd, you know, really recruit or develop a good quarterback. Cause what's the real upside of having Hicks go out this year? Like, what are you, what are you gaining with him over developing someone else in the long run and, and kind of letting someone out there maybe i'm a bit harsh but i'm i'm just not feeling yeah i guess it's a stopgap right now because i mean there it's a stopgap yeah quarterbacks were really bad on the roster last year so that's true why not bring in a senior quarterback that knows what the offense is about so maybe he can help the incoming freshman teach him a little bit while that kid maybe that kid could okay that's that's fair that's fair i know i'm i thought this morris was a decent hire last year and i still think that's the case so i feel about the same also i know you know it's they were horrible this year, but the big culture shift with the offense. So, um, with the ridiculously easy schedule that they have next year, I mentioned this in a previous pod. You know, I can see them winning six games because their four non-conference games are a joke. So they just got to find two SEC wins, and I'm hopefully with Ben Hicks, uh, they they can be able to do that. Okay, number six on Athlon's list last year was Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State. Go back to you, Ryan. Sure. Um, I, f- I feel about the same with Moorhead. Uh, we were all pretty high on him. Well, very high on him going into last year, and I, I still feel high. Obviously, they were hoping for a better year um, on, on this past season, and they probably should have. But I think Moorhead, he was he was pretty limited by Fitzgerald's arms. I don't think he quite realized how bad it was going to be. Yeah, he uh, was texting losing. him saying they were going to win the Heisman. You know, right when he got yeah, hired. I remember that. Yeah, I don't. He didn't quite grasp uh, what was going on there. So, I, I maybe losing Fitzgerald will actually be a blessing for Mississippi State. Um, the tough thing for them is that I, I think nine wins is kind of their ceiling. They have to play in that tough division, so it's going to be hard to do much more than that. So, if Man- Moorhead does manage to get to nine next year, then that's that's huge. I mean, that's a fantastic yeah. year. In, and and start and the fans would be very happy with that. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. So so I was you know. I'm still high. So I was super high on Moorhead and I, I'm still bullish on him. But, you know, if you had to ask me right now compared to last year, I'd maybe feel slightly worse. 
um, or the same. The only reason is I, I still think he can see, succeed, but if I'm looking at this one year, they had one of the best defenses in the nation, and yet they could only muster an eight and five record, you know, especially with him being an offensive guy. But yes, Fitzgerald might have might have limited him. So I'm optimistic about the future and I want to see what he does with his talent, but just looking at compared to last year, I'm maybe the same or slightly down. Yeah. I, I thought you guys were both gonna say you were significantly down on him. Um because Trey, you're right, that the defense was great and his sort of specialty of offense was was not good and that's what held the team back but i i still am very high on him and i think last year wasn't as wasn't that bad underwhelming yeah as people think because yes they went eight and five but they were seventh in the country in massey peabody so that tells you maybe they were better than their record and every one of their losses was against teams that finished in the top 25 four out of five of them were against teams that finished in the top 12 so heck their last game they really controlled but somehow managed to lose it but exactly close loss to iowa in a bowl games nothing to sneeze at and their eight wins were all dominant all by at least two touchdowns so i think all in all they were a really good team last year they just faced a brutal schedule lost like against and they played well like against alabama they lost 24-0 yeah but that was probably the best performance against them in the regular season at least anyone against right. Bama. so right. trust the process yeah, I think I just think once Joe Moorhead gets that offense rolling, which I, I really believe he will, then they'll be fine. He's just got to find his quarterback, and it might not be there this year um, because I think it looks like um, maybe Keaton Thompson will start. Um, we'll see, but that might be an upgrade. You know, who knows? Thompson looked good in the times that he got. Yeah, he he looked he looked decent. Uh, okay, number five, Willie Taggart. Yikes! Well, this might be the easiest actually. Of <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> is pod. definitely the easiest. So, you know, obviously feeling worse. Uh, I think that's the unanimous perception around the country. Train wreck start to the the era at Florida State. And they went five and seven. And honestly, they looked worse than that with all the talent that the Knowles had that was super disappointing. I mean, they were a dark horse contender in the ACC or even the, you know, potential playoff. I mean, it was, it was, it was just shocking how undisciplined they looked when you watch them and then now the Francois off the field issue not recruiting a quarterback in the last two classes and you know the main thing with Taggart is you thought he'd kill it in recruiting there but then they finish a lackluster 18th for for Florida State that's not too good no it's it's now I'm thinking for them but now I'm thinking in hindsight when I really think about it I shouldn't have been as optimistic as maybe I was last year because he he kind of underachieved in his you know, very, very brief stint at Oregon. And he isn't exactly known for his X's and O's. He's more known for being able to recruit. But Florida State can recruit no matter who the coach is. So they didn't really need a pure recruiting coach. I mean, well, so I'm feeling worse. I, but but maybe it can only go up from here. So, yeah, I'll and I'll disagree with the whole, you know, you, you talk about schools recruiting themselves. So you need to get a certain type of coach. But there is a difference between getting, say, like the eighth class or the 10th class compared to like number two which is what yeah. I, I thought that's what taggart would get i thought it would be top three or four classes but oh i did just too. ask clay helton over at usc huh yeah exactly yeah there's i mean although he has had had some pretty good classes but not not the last couple of years so no yeah i really don't have much to add on fsu it's it's an obvious obvious one here yeah and well and the, another big problem for him is that in the state of Florida right now, of course, Florida is doing yeah much better than expected. We'll get to Dan Mullen later on this list, uh, and even Miami with Manny Diaz as uh, on the recruiting trail. They are now going to be yeah they're going to lock down Miami. Yeah, so that's that's going to be tough. It's going to be yeah. tough for if I mean if if Taggart. I think we we already talked about this on the our recruiting episode, but if they go six and six this year, people are going to start calling for his head. <laughs> yeah, I, totally. Number four. Jimbo Fisher, and I feel better about this hire. Really, you do? Oh, is that a, is that sarcasm? There, it's sarcasm. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. some people might have felt great about it to begin with, so they just are are kind of confirmed, you know, by this season. But you know, I was somewhat high on the hire because you got to you got to get Jimbo Fisher if you have the chance when you're Texas A and M. But the way it ended at Florida State, and obviously they paid him a ton of money, so that colored some people's opinions of this. But 
I mean, everything's gone really well. They went nine and four on the field. They nearly beat Clemson. Uh, had a had a tough schedule, so nine and four is is really good. Kellen Mond looked like a, a pretty good quarterback under Fisher's guidance. And then the the ba- major thing is the number four recruiting class in the country, which yeah, I would think is their best class ever. Yeah, this this one's clear. I mean, a plus job so far by Fisher. I feel way better. I, you know, I may be overreacting here a little bit, but coming into this. 2019 season i i consider them a playoff contender i know they have a a super tough schedule but yeah, they if they do. go 10 and 2 they'll have a strong case with how great their schedule will be so and what he did with kellen mond is just nothing short of spectacular i could not have been you know more critical of mond in 2017 um but wow remember what a surprise that was that you just thought Nick Starkle was definitely going to be the guy, especially after the bowl game last yeah, year. Yeah, I, I was stunned that Mond was the guy over Starkle. That's just crazy. So, but credit to Jimbo, man. He's, yeah, he's doing great. I think it's way better as well. I was pretty cautiously optimistic last year. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking it was a, a home run slam dunk, but especially with all the money, but now that's doesn't look ridiculous and, you know, they finished with a bang in the bowl game. And like you said, Michael, top five recruiting class. I'd be so happy if I was an Aggie fan right now. Number three on the list is Chip Kelly at UCLA. And Ryan, you were maybe one of the only people I knew that wasn't super high on this to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, it didn't work out a couple of places at the NFL. It's been a little while since he's in college. It's just, I didn't get a good vibe. Um, so I'm, I feel about the same as I did. I didn't think it was going to work out. Um, maybe couldn't have predicted they would have go this badly this first year. Yeah. How could you uh, not feel worse? Okay. I, mean, I feel maybe slightly worse, but you know, okay, okay. <laughs> the recruiting is really what startled me. I wasn't surprised by the on-field stuff quite as much, but the recruiting, I mean, that's wow. Did not, did not anticipate that quite so much, but Michael, you said this in a previous podcast and it, which is kind of just the vibe I why I was scared of Chip Kelly in the first place is it doesn't even look like he cares. Like it's just, he's just kind of going through the motions right now. You don't see him out there very much. And it's just, I don't know. Where's the, I I don't see, I don't see it. I'm not seeing it from Chip Kelly. They called it a strategy of recruiting, you know, not, not offering guys um, super early in the process and not offering a ton of guys, but I just, it felt to me that he just, didn't want to hit the trail like yeah, there's some apathy going on right now it's yeah just... and i mean i know he he didn't recruit well at oregon um well he or you know get like gang he over he over he outperformed his recruiting when he was at oregon uh but yeah like you guys said it doesn't it seems like he didn't even try and they were the 41st ranked class you know i thought especially with sc being down and with his name you thought they'd at worst get a top 25 class because mora was getting those uh, yeah. no problem. And they were, they weren't doing well on the field. Yeah, the and time the, has never been better for them to take over LA, but yeah. The other thing was they finished 76th in S and P plus and yet they were 51st the year before. So a major regression. So it's not the most encouraging start for, for chip here. Yep. And, and to hammer the, the point home on recruiting, according to BruinsNation.com, UCLA offered 43, four or five star recruits. They only signed one. What did? How many four stars did they get? One. No, that's what. I'm <laughs> well, that's what he said. Did you just listen to what I said? No, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just kind of tuned out there. He for a literally second. just. <laughs> well, sorry. Somebody, somebody was. I somebody was trying to enter my apartment. Like there, there was a key being entered in the door. I oh. heard, and I'm like, what's that? What the heck's that? So I tuned you out for a minute there. Sorry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, man. Okay. The funny thing was that you responded. Is like, Do you need to attend to that, Ryan? Uh, I think they went up the stairs. So I think it was a wrong. It, that happens like so often. I don't know. I, it's crazy. Like I've had like once a week, somebody's either knocks on the door, tries to get in. It's like, not you, man. Not your place. Yeah. That I did that one time at yeah me too a, an apartment complex I lived at where every floor looked exactly the same right and and so yeah I got off and I I walked all the way to to the door and I just walked in I had roommates so oftentimes the door was was unlocked and open so oh, I just sh- walked in I just walked in <laughs> and I I got like halfway 
through the hallway entering and i looked around i'm like oh this is not my apartment (laughs) i I did the exact same thing it was the floor beneath i don't oh i'm on the first floor it's like and there's a there's a mail room right there so you first get in it's like i don't know how you can make that mistake like on the first floor right above the garage yeah maybe they just got disoriented by just the the beauty of the waves and the beach this is actually it happened it happened yesterday too with the key thing that's two days in a row with the the key thing trying to put a key in like it's somebody who lives here like come come on man <laughs> i understand a person that doesn't live here that's gonna knock but you know every once in a while you don't not sure the apartment but if you live there you're stupid <laughs> maybe they're just jealous of your beachfront living ryan they just they want they want that to be their apartment <laughs> who knows uh okay Number two is Dan Mullen. Trey, how are you feeling about this? Better. and But I, I honestly didn't think that it would be possible for me to be higher on him because I, I was high on him last year. I, I loved the hire, but especially considering what he did at Mississippi State and now being able to recruit at, at Florida, it's, it was a perfect mix. But he got the number a top 10 class, number nine ranked class, led them to a New Year's Six win over Michigan, which, you know, before the season, no one saw coming, especially with Felipe Franks. He got the most out of him. So I'm really looking forward to what he does um, with his own personnel out there on the field in the coming years. I guess I feel slightly better just because of the... but Slightly better? I, I felt great about the hire to begin with. I, okay. What he did at Mississippi State. I mean, now he had the resources at Florida. I thought, fantastic hire. So... I I mean, he probably did better with the on-the-field performance than I thought, and I guess he probably did better off the field as well. So, I guess I do feel better. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think at the time, for me, it was they missed out on Chip Kelly, right? They missed out. They wanted Scott Frost, apparently. And so, it felt a little bit lackluster, even though it's like, yes, Mullen did a, a very good job at, at Mississippi State. But I don't know. I was just a little bit like let down slightly by by the hire i mean now though it's i, I think, think it's, it worked out for you know i think it was probably the best they could have got i mean i know scott frost probably would have been successful i'm sure there no doubt but no i'm sure they won't seems to fit yeah i'm sure they wouldn't trade him now for anybody so yep uh speaking of number one on our list <laughs> scott frost nebraska and if you are a first-time listener uh you should know that the three of us are Nebraska fans. Well, you're like a quarter of a Nebraska fan. I know. I, I split my allegiance with USC. But so about this hire, I, I'm i going to say I feel about the same. I, I think that's the right answer. Even though the record was worse than you thought, what we went four and eight, but we were one and five. I'm saying we here, going we, one and five in one score games. So really, it was just... They performed about as well as you thought they would. It's just they had bad luck in close games. Yeah. And 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 the season ended well. They were kind of peaking at the end. They almost beat Ohio State. And you got to remember the the beginning of the year, the first game was canceled. The oh, big home favorites to work out the kinks. And then they lose a close game to Colorado the next week where maybe they would have won had they had that warm-up game. So sorry to interrupt you, but. Yeah, no, no. Any, any more excuses? The beginning of the year. <laughs> Any more excuses anyone wants to throw out yeah, there? Exactly. <laughs> Adrian Martinez got hurt in that Colorado game. Yeah, yeah there you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. So, um, but yeah, and and, the, and recruiting wise, it, it's the top class in the Big Ten West, like always. Slightly better than the classes Mike Riley, yeah, had been bringing in. Yeah, I would say I'm a little bit like slightly underwhelmed by the recruiting. I thought it would be. A little bit better, but it, it's hard to really complain with what the nineteenth class. So. Yeah, ahead of USC. So, yeah, he's. Thank you, thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> um, he's still the savior. He's still the savior. He is. Uh, I'm the same. Lazy answer is to say worse because they went four and eight. But you know, obviously, we were high on him last year. We continue to be. He's developing a culture and program. This this was never going to be an overnight process uh and and like you said mike they finished the season strong Mm -hmm. they've got adrian martinez to kind of build around they just need obviously some some pieces here on the on the defense to get this thing going and you know i wasn't maybe in the same same boat as you in terms of recruiting but you know when when i'm thinking back now it's like if you're 19th recruiting class and uh, coming off a four and eight year that's that's not too bad especially after some 
dismal years at Nebraska prior to that. So uh, a few more wins next year, and I could see the re- recruiting pick up slightly more, slightly better. Yeah, I, I'm not so. Sh- I'm not sure we'll ever see Nebraska get a top ten type class. That's just that's really hard to do um, unless you're Bill Callahan. Unless you're Bill Callahan and you get some JUCOs that probably don't deserve four star rankings. Oh, oh my, um, oh Ryan. Yeah, that's not nice. No, Callahan did have a great class, but didn't really pan out. Harrison um, Beck, Chris Book, Chris Brooks, <laughs> senior. <laughs> oh man, come on. <laughs> Yeah. Um, (laughs) This is really niche. I think probably four listeners know who those guys are. Yeah, true. France Hardy. Well, probably more than that. Probably more than that. Um, The only only, uh, concern that I have for Nebraska and Trey, and you obviously have this one, is just the the defense. I mean, Scott Frost obviously going to work the magic with the offense, but he really kind of hands the reins over to Eric Shenander on defense. So that's just the only concerning thing. Uh, Yeah, Adrian's already a potential Heisman candidate for this year but if that decent defense doesn't get much better then I mean we're gonna we're gonna be kind of depressed again so I I think the defense I I am concerned that I I hope Frost is not too loyal to his, his right staff. that's that's the thing and he seems like a very loyal guy so yeah I don't know we'll see I mean the, you got to get their guys uh, the talent on that d-line was p- pretty horrible and their linebackers were just awful small and not athletic so they need a few recruiting cycles and most importantly not just recruiting cycles it's just they need some development there was no development under Mm -hmm. mike riley the guy's just like it was bad so (laughs) but that's the concern i love how we say the the biggest weakness of scott frost is that he's he's too loyal it's like (laughs) i got a job interview yeah Yeah. like i'm i'm too (laughs) hardworking. good problem to have (laughs) that's my biggest weakness um okay would you guys? Here's the question: Would you still rank him number one of the hires? Because if hmm. I, you know, I'm obviously trying not to be a homer here, but I don't think, I don't think I'd put him number one out of all these 21 now. Jimbo, it'd Fisher. be hard to put him over Jimbo and uh, Dan Mullen. And, yeah, I, I agree that. I mean, Jimbo and Dan Mullen, it would probably be ahead of it right now. Yeah, definitely Jimbo. I mean, it's, yeah. I yeah. agree. I think the only case you could make for him being number one is 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 terms of fit, like the perfect fit. Yeah. But yeah, no, I I would put those other guys definitely ahead. But I'd still I'd still have him in my top five. Oh, he's yeah, yeah. And Frost walked into a much tougher situation than those guys. So very true. Yep. Any more excuses for Frost? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that'll do it for our breakdown of the 2018 first year head coaches. And I thought I would end the podcast. I just thought earlier today about a uh, a classic Newman family story. So I thought maybe every once in a while on the podcast, we could share a classic Newman story at the end of the episode. That's a good idea. Yeah, we need to let people in on the uh, the Newman the Newman gang. Yeah. So this happened, I think we were, I'm pretty sure we were all there. This happened, uh, you know, a year or two ago. And we're all sitting around the dinner table. And oh, I, think, I think I know where you're going with this one already <laughs> and we're playing we're playing uh would you rather yep yep that's it <laughs> and so trey has his phone out and he's on a website that just has a bunch of good ones and we're having fun playing it and then trey gets to one and he says would you rather wake up naked in bed <laughs> next to the burger king guy having him say you had it your way or would you rather wake up next to naked next to Ronald McDonald saying you were loving it? And there's about a two or three second pause. And my dad says, I'd rather wake up next to the colonel having him say that I was finger licking good. <laughs> oh, 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 man. Ah, oh, man. That one. I'm that not was sure. An timer. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure I've laughed harder than than that no, time that was that was the hardest laugh we've had as a family. I, I was crying like I, I had tears coming out it was <laughs> well you're there live oh man that was <laughs> it's definitely something you have to be there for but if you really think about it and you put yourself in that situation it yeah. is it was oh. hysterical <laughs> <laughs> all right so there you go um so with that uh we will talk to you next week not sure what we're going to talk about once again but it will be college football related well we were thinking about doing an ot episode but off-topic episode yeah well do we have any ideas for that though not at all okay i think maybe one of these days yeah one of these weeks when there's not much going on we should solicit um off-topic questions like an Mm off-topic mailbag that might be good well we're gonna do a college basketball episode once right 
That's true. Yeah, I think before March Madness, you know, when after the bracket comes out, we'll we'll do a give our a bracket and, episode. Why not? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so look forward to those. The Huskers won't be there. No, they will not. No, they will not. Neither will USC. They are tanking. But there's always next year. Uh, yep. Any excuses for Nebraska ball? Copeland, man, he got hurt, dude. If he didn't get hurt, man. Oh, right there. man. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.